Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we have a road trip with the panda. Yeah. Hello, panda. Hello. And we have a road trip with the polar bear. (laughs) I'm here too. For our special, well, Christmas episode. Christmas. So Merry Christmas. That's my favorite. Is it? Yeah. No, Halloween is. Okay. (laughs) There's no, there's no Halloween song. Mariah Carey does not sing a song about <laughs> Halloween. Okay, there should be. Maybe not her. All I want for you is all. All I want for Halloween is you, or candy. Mm-hmm. That is the candy. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight for this episode, we are actually filling the gas tank and heading to West Virginia. Now this episode again, is in correlation to a very sad and tragic event that occurred in West Virginia. And I'm, of course, referring to the strange case of the disappearance of the Sodder children. And driving... disappearance. Well... Alleged. Well, they did disappear. So that's what happened to them (laughs) afterwards. Disappeared to the ground. Is the mystery. Or part of the mystery, I suppose. But driving us to West Virginia tonight is the panda. So, are you ready? I don't know. Am I? Did you bring your driver's license? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've forgotten it when I've driven across country. (laughs) I literally, I got pulled over in Vegas. Uh, I came into the town too hot and, you know, whatever. I was told I was going, I was driving to Florida. So I drove to Florida and then I got there. So, because I, you know, he asked me was it before when he asked me for your ID. So I put my ID and then I put it in the side of my door and I met up with my buddy, and then we drove all the way, but I left it in the side of the door. Um. So when we flew back, I didn't have an ID to fly back, so I had to ask like questions or whatever. It was weird questions. Really, you went with like security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me go with. I called them like, hey, look, I forgot my ID. I'm from California. I don't have my ID. So how do I? They're like, oh, let's just ask you some questions to get there. Oh. And, and it was like a long process. They asked before we went through security, and I was like, this is the worst time. Right. So. So, road trip tip number one, don't forget your ID. N- number zero should be don't go speeding through <laughs> Vegas. Or not Vegas, but it was out one of those outskirt towns. Okay. I forget what it was. Uh, yeah, so in the Christmas spirit, here's a happy story. Here we go. So. I guess the best place to start that off would be with Mr. and Mrs. Sodder. So, George Sodder, he is an immigrant from Italy. Uh, he was born with Sir Gior- Giorgio? I don't know. I'm going to start with George. Sodu in, uh, in Italy in 1895. And he came to the United States when he was 13 with his older brother. 
As soon as he makes it past Ellis Island, his brother just straight up says, nah. And he goes back home. Oh, he, wow. <laughs> yeah, so George is left here at 13 years old to basically fend for himself. But he does really well for himself. He works his way up. He gets. He does great. He He's he's very um, cultured with his own thing, so he's very... He stays with the Italian-based communities, and he works his way up. He, uh, he saves his money. He's smart. He does everything right. He... Uh, Eventually works. He works on railroads. He works with the laborers. He actually moves to West Virginia, and he, in, as working for construction and driving for other people, he actually saves uses all his savings to buy his own trucks to start his own truck truck company, and it pays off. So he literally works with nothing, coming to America with nothing. He does the American dream, or at least what that was back then. Right. So in the process of all that, he meets his his wife to be Jenny. <laughs> Jenny, <laughs> and she actually comes from Italy, but she came from Italy when she was three, so she actually had a family and stuff. And they're they're they were all off too. They're cool. They're all right. Right. They're not. They're, she's no hoe bag or nothing. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess these these they're very fertile because between so they meet and then from the years nineteen twenty three to nineteen forty three they have ten children. Ten children. So basically, every two years, there's another child. Yeah, that's I mean, some, some in the water, or just a year, a year a child. Oh, oh, it's twenty years, huh? Yeah, yeah. every two years, yeah. Something <laughs> in the water, the West Virginia water. <laughs> West Virginia water. So they actually settle settle down in West Virginia in Fayetteville. It's spelled like Lafayette and then Ville. Right. But so Lafayetteville. Well, it's Fayetteville. Okay. They call it Fayetteville. All right. The Americans butcher the French. Well, not this time. That's what they told house. Either way. okay go ahead uh so uh but yeah they 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 settled down in fayetteville and they just raised their kids and he he continues his truck business runs coal trucks there's a mining area so he just transports the mining materials and he makes money he hangs out he's good but he's well respected within the community uh it's really italian-based community so that's another way to stay there there's a lot of mobsters um, well, that's the thing. We don't know a lot about George's past. It, there's no records of what his family was or what they're involved in. Maybe, possibly, allegedly turns into something. Something else. Okay. So, well, you know, as a time living there, he he was he's well respected, but he also he's well spoke. He he likes to speak out of what's on his mind. Right. At this time, 1943 to 1945 was the the reign of Mussolini. Right. Who, who doesn't know that was the totalitarian totalitarian. Yes, the is. dictator. The dictator of Italy at the time. He was World a real motherfucker, too. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Didn't we just talk about this? Probably. He was in cahoots with the goddamn Nazis. <laughs> goddamn Nazis. That's right. So he, he, you know, he speaks his mind about it, and um, it's very torn, I guess, amongst the Italians whether or not Mussolini was, in fact, the man to be. So, you know, people kind of talk and say, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't really say things like that, especially around now. He's still a dictator. At this time, you know, the, the mafia does have inside scoops. I mean, some some sort of connection to political games and stuff like that. You know, word spreads. I mean, that's all you have is word back then. So just keep that in mind as we keep going. So December 24th, 1945. So the war's over. Yes. Right now it's over. V-Day has already come. Yeah, e- V-Day. E-Day. E- 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 E-Day. V-J. Day. Yeah. So both of them have passed. So Christmas Eve... Nine of the ten children are at home. Okay. One of them is still finishing his tour uh, in the army. So he actually went to war. 
Oh, okay. So around 12.30 at night, a fire erupts in the house. George and Jenny, you know, they take, they scratch what kids are right readily available at them, and they take four of the kids and they go outside. Okay. The fire is on fire now, 12.30 at night. George counts his kids that he has there and he realizes five kids are still missing. Okay. So he, go, and he, the fire's caught, it's ablaze and it's going, you know, they were asleep and they woke up to the smoke, they can't stop the fire now. Right. So one of the daughters runs to the neighbor, to the neighboring houses and tells them, hey, my house is on fire. She tries to call the police or the fire department. Right, alert the authorities. Well, when they try to call the fire department, the operator doesn't answer. Doesn't work. So they have to go to the next house, which is a little further. Their phone doesn't work either. So, so is the line cut? Is the line down? We'll get down to that. Just okay. you're going. Okay, well, I'm just. <laughs> I know, I know, you're excited. <laughs> the fire and the daughter's running. So either way, so the neighbor says, "Fuck it, I'll just drive down to town and go to the fire department myself." So while all that's happening, George, the father. He tries every every ounce of power to try to get to because it's a two story farmhouse. Try to get to the rooms to where the five children were still left. They had two bedrooms between the nine of them. Okay. So there was however they had it set up. They were, they were, he was trying to get to them. He's trying to find them. Okay. So the alleged location was that he tried to find his his ladder and try to climb the ladder to get to the second story and break the window, and it's gone. The ladder. The ladder's gone. Okay. So the ladder's gone. He's like, okay, fuck it. I'll try to take my coal truck, trucks and drive it, and then I'll climb on top and then climb, climb to the window. He goes to start both his trucks, and they're both not working. Just don't work. So nothing is going right for them. Okay. So he's trying to find every way in there. They even try to get the, 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 the water barrels that they have out there. And they try to throw it on there, but the water's frozen. So they can't even bust that open. So they're they're left with no nothing left. He tries to break through windows on the bottom, but the, it's just too much. He's yelling and screaming, trying to get in the house, but it's not working. So the neighbor goes all the way to the so backtrack to the neighbor going to the town. She go he goes and gets to the fire department and tells him, Hey, uh what's George's house is on fire, you guys gotta go. So Within 45 minutes, the, the house burns down. Straight to ash. Straight down. It's just done. 45 minutes. Do they suspect it was maybe... Well, 45 minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the fire department doesn't show up until 8 a.m. So it happened at 12.30. 45 minutes go by. It's like 1 in the morning. But the fire department doesn't show up till 8 a.m. And the... The fire department's only two and a half miles away. Why? Great question. So, and you know, now both George and Jenny are devastated that five of their children have now, were in the building. Are now gone. Gone. But, you know, George and them kind of recollect, like, you know, well, now we have to go through and find their bodies. So the fire department shows up and they go through and they don't find. Any sort of skeletal remains. Nothing. Nobodies. 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 And then George and Jenny kind of realize, you know, I didn't I didn't hear them either. So they're like, what the fuck? You know, where's our where's our children? So, you know, they're they they ask the coroner who's there and he deems them dead already. Without the bodies. Correct. He just deems it dead and he tells them, Well, you know, at certain heat, skeleton skeletons you know, do the bodies decompose, and 
they they'll just turn into ash and be like cremate like cremating. Uh huh. So well, how the, hot was this fire? Well, it was. So that's the thing. So it keeps going. Okay. So the coroner. Okay. He already you know five days after the fire, he already has death certificates made for these people. Like just straight, like that. Just like that. So he's no already, inquest. The, no. The, the fire marshal, the chief marshal, the fire chief, whatever. He chalks it up to a wiring gone wrong with the breaker box that they have, and the coroner, you know, assumes it, it just chalks it up to accidental fire. But George and Jenny don't buy it. Well, I wouldn't either. So they do their own little things, and they start kind of collecting their own clues and start putting all the, their story together. So the five children missing is Maurice, who's fourteen. Martha, who is 12, Louis, sorry, Louis, who is 9, Jenny, who is 8, and Betty, who is 5. Mm. <laughs> so, George hires a bulldozer, and he, he brushes over all the debris or whatever and kind of makes a little, his own little monument for his five fallen kids. But it doesn't really stop them because they, they're both strong-willed individuals, and they're like, okay, we need real answers. They just want closure. I mean, as a parent, right. I'm not a parent... But I would like some answers. So, you know, they actually do the research and they study that, you know, they talk to people and they discover that, you know, for a cremation to happen, it has to burn at a certain degrees. And for most cremators, it actually takes up to two hours. And even then, some of the stuff is still there, but it's, you know, it's brittle enough to where they can crush it down to other. But you would at least be able to see the. You would be able to. So what they said was that flesh actually burns off first. But then, then the bones would then melt as well or break down. But that takes up to two hours. If, it, if it's the right degree. Give or take 45 minutes to burn the house down, not enough. you would find at least one thing. Right. And, uh, someone's. So, so the fire was over after 45 minutes. Uh, like right. The, the house, house burned is down burnt down. down. Okay. It's like down to the ground, no two-story, nothing. All that's left is the smoldering whatever's left. Okay. So they're like, huh. That's weird. And then, so the other big key thing, so, and they also, you know, kind of look back. So, George was home one time when this life insurance guy shows up to the house a couple of weeks before. Okay. So, time before the fire. So, he actually comes up to sell them life insurance. And no one really heard the discussion. So, I'm assuming it was a private thing, you know, the head of the house talking to whoever. At some point, the argument goes south, or the, the discussion goes south and becomes an argument. And the ending words from the life insurance man says, well, you're all going to die, and your house is going to go up in smoke. Literally oh. says those words to him. Right. And, and those are, I mean, what does that even mean? You know something? He walked out. He left. He didn't keep him there. Okay. Maybe he just thought he was upset. Another incident happened to where a man actually wandered to their house and looking for work, and he kind of started snooping around, and he pointed to the breaker box and told them, hey, that's going to that's gonna be a, a fire hazard in your house. Some, some rando just walks up. He wants on a job. The property. Well, he probably knows that he works for the trucking. Because he, he, he's well known around the, the George. He's well known around the community. Right. And he tells him straight up, hey, that prayer box is probably going to catch on fire. Is he well liked around the community? He is well respected. But he was also vocal about Mussolini. He vocal about a lot of things, but that just happens to be the hot topic around that part at yeah. that time for that time frame. So you have a bunch of randos showing up yeah. and, and in indicating certain things that turn out to be true. There was a fire. The house burned down. Uh, supposedly children die. 
And then you get your fire breaker or your electric breaker. breaker. Yeah, breaker. Yeah. Breaker box. So I guess where all the wires go for your electricity and stuff. Right. But so he, but Jenny, she puts it together too. She kind of because before the fire happened, so around eleven, she walks downstairs to to see whatever. She sees some of the kids on the couch in the living room. They're asleep because they're excited for Christmas. It's it's Christmas Eve night, so right. you know some kids want to stay out there, do whatever, and sleep in front of the Christmas tree. But all the lights are on, and the door was unlocked. So she locks up the house. She she locks the doors. She locks the windows or whatever. But some of the lights are still on. So if your breaker is faulty, the lights wouldn't be on. And they even state that the the lights were still on when they were leaving the house because they're trying to get out because of the fire. Right. So if your shit's not working, if your breaker's the thing that causes the fire... It goes up in smoke first. Your lights go out. You lose power. So the, the lights were still on. So they start asking the kids questions. Anything weird happened? They one of the biggest things they mentioned is that somebody, some of the older boys, they mentioned that there was a man on a, on a highway when they were coming back from school that were watching them coming back from school going home. Right. But, I mean, it was no concern them at the time, but now they're now it's kind of all coming up. And even that night, while they were eating Christmas Eve dinner, they received a phone call and the wife answered it, and they the person on the other line asked for a name that she'd never heard of. And she's like, what the fuck? You know, I don't know you. I don't know who that is. You got the wrong number. And she just hung up. And like, you know, it just happened to be coincidental. Right. Well, at the time. Maybe checking to make sure the family members. Right. So they hire a detective, a private detective, go around town. And then they all kind of say the same consensus of, you know, everyone knows George. Everyone was kind of hush-hush. Not really. I mean, they don't really know much. It seems like a tight-knit community. community. Yeah. And then they find out that. A tourist stop that's about 50 miles outside of Fayetteville in Charleston, about west, 50 miles west. She claims to have seen the children in the morning of Christmas morning. So, like... After the fire. After the fire. So, Christmas morning, I she claims that she fed them breakfast, and she was running, like, a bed-breakfast kind of hotel area. Okay. So, she claims there was a man who had the children there, and she fed them breakfast. Like, she... Clearly states that she saw these children there. Right. And then they left later that time. But she didn't think anything of it. I mean, she didn't know. The word didn't spread that fast about the fire and the five kids missing. So she she was a witness to that. Another person claims that they saw the five the kids in a car when they were passing the highway because they were on the way to Fayetteville. So they passed the kids going and going. Leaving. So, but... Sure as shit, the local police. Now, did they ever question the fire chief as to why so the, the fuck local, it took eight? Lo- the local police and local fire department chalked it up to an accidental fire, and it was a horrible accident on Christmas Eve. So case was closed. But why did it take the, the fire department? The case was closed. Oh, wow. What a fucking deal. <laughs> so, but George and Andy don't stop. So in 47, they actually asked the FBI for help. They claim they to put all the fact their little facts together and say, hey, None of this adds up. We need help. And J. Edgar Hoover even writes back himself and states that, I'm sorry for your loss, and that's something that we should definitely investigate. But unfortunately, due to the fact we're not getting any cooperation, the the local law enforcement does not come within the jurisdiction of this bureau. We can't help you. So like they, the, the, the police and the fire department aren't agreeing to help the FBI. What and the FBI, the FBI aren't you know as huge... Especially after all that, at this point. What fucking dicks. So they would they said it would help if they get the local authorities to help them out, but that's about it. So that same private detective okay. 
he actually discovers that insurance salesman that came by is actually part of was part of the coroner's jury to about the case being dismissed. So you know when they're on the trial or trying to put the case together, right? To to, to investigate that same guy. guy who's still trying to sell the life insurance was working for the coroner. To this point, he was. The They're guy associated. That, the guy that put the death certificates five days out, and they don't have actual bodies. The same guy, the coroner. Right. The guy who chalked it up to, uh, well, they're, they're dead, so it, they deemed it accidental. I mean, it, it, it's just terrible. It's just this whole town is not, help, I mean. Just sounds shady as fuck. Just, yeah, just shady as fuck. And it's terrible. So they, George and Jenny are like, what the fuck? So they even put up a sign outside the town. On, it's a billboard. And sh- post all their, the five kids' pictures that they have and post $5,000 reward for any information or, you know, where they're at. So they put this sign out there and to, to, for anything. You know, they're trying anything. They even hire a, patholog- a pathologist, pathologist. It's like a bone expert. So they hire this guy to come down and they actually dig through the, the site where the house burned down. And they go through and they actually find four human vertebrae and... He takes the vertebrae and he sends it back to the Smithsonian. The, the the Smithsonian. Yeah, say that word three times. Smithsonian. Smithsonian. But so they they analyze it to whatever the best of their knowledge, and the bones, the vertebrae, uh, they can only tell that the age it would belong to age group is about twenty two to sixteen years old. So above, I think the eldest you said Maurice was fourteen. Correct. So, it doesn't and really fit. Where did the vertebrae come from? They were there. Mm-hmm. Nobody just found them the first time? Yeah, well, so that's the thing. George went in there deeper. And he, he, he was looking for anything, you know. And so, while they're investigating, they even find a, a rubber piece. It's like a round rubber thing. And the only thing they could connect that to was in there's a type of a bomb that you make, a napalm bomb, that requires that piece, and you put it together it would fit perfectly where it would be. Right. So, in the middle of the night as well, the, the night the wife didn't think anything of it, but she heard a loud thud on the roof before she finally fell into sleep. But, you know, should happen. Maybe a kid fucking fell out of the bed. I don't know. She wasn't thinking anything of it. And so, but nothing's there to say, hey. I wonder if they still have that rubber piece. I don't know. I mean. Because the rules have changed, you know. In terms of evidence and who's in charge, and well, they, even if you had it, you still can't do anything with it. Even if you had it today, but they could still test to see if any type of uh, chemicals were associated with this piece, and what kind of chemicals these chemicals be used along with this piece. I think after all that time, though, I mean, in forty-five, to, if, to if the residue is still there, it's still there. I mean, I don't know if you realize this, but they're now starting to go through cold cases that are 30, 40 years old, and they're finding the victim's killers now. So, I mean, again, they have the capability of tracing things, including chemicals. But either way, so... It doesn't work out. Even the governor steps in and says, this is a hopeless case. There's nothing you can do. It's over. That's real shitty. So everything is just putting these parents down, but they don't stop. They still keep going. There's even a, a news article that shows, forget what exactly what it was, but the, he sees a picture of this young girl 
that looks like one of the pictures of his, his girl that he lost in the fire. Right. And this is like years after the fire. So he, George actually goes all the way to New York to find out where she lives. And he finds out where he li- she lives, goes to the parents, and the parents deny him access to see her because, you know, this guy shows up. And it's fucking, you get, no, you ain't coming in here. You ain't going to talk to her. You ain't going to do none of that. So, nothing. But it's not until 20 years later, 1968, after the fire. 20 years. Okay. Jenny gets a letter mailed to specifically her, only addressed to her. It was postmarked in Kentucky, but no return address. She opens it up and finds a picture, and about his, he's about 20-something years old. And on the other side of it is a cryptic note that says, Louis Sauter, I love Brother Frankie, Little Boys, A90132 or 35. So she looks at the picture and it matches, I mean, a mother never forgets, I'm assuming. So she kind of sees the distinct quality between the picture she has of him, same dark hair, same dark eyebrows. And it, I mean, it looks like him as if he was grown up. Right. And so they hire a private detective. They send him to Kentucky. But he never, he disappears. The detective disappears? <laughs> he just disappears. He's just gone. Jesus Christ. So, so now they have nothing, and then George is like, fuck, I'll do it myself. And, and the, they fear that they don't want to publish, you know, in the newspaper of this picture and this letter that, you know. And uh, spook whoever sent it. Right, and then something could happen, and then, you know, maybe they'll actually, they'll get us or not, but. So. But George is like, I'll, I'll go do it myself. But unfortunately, he dies the next year. Oh. So he dies, and that kind of stops the pursuit of trying to find out where the kids are. So she, uh, Jenny, allegedly wore black exclusively until her death in 1989. And that's when the board finally came down. So they kept the same board for almost 24 years? No. 34 no. years. 34 uh, years. Uh, 40. 45 to 89? 45 to 89. Oh, I guess it'd be 46. So, either way, 40 years. Yeah. Give or take. So Because somebody knew something. This is bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is I feel like everybody knew something. Right. Because <laughs> it sounds like everybody was in cahoots with the others. But the question begs why. I mean... Well, I mean, if you speak out against... Mussolini, and maybe he said something against the mafia, and the mafia at this time, you know, was pretty huge. Still, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's still pretty large, just not as, you know, open as, as they used to be. To but, me- I mean, then again, he fucking straight up, someone told him, your house is going to burn up, and then someone tells him, your, your house is going to burn die. up, yeah. your house is gonna, your, your kids are going to die, and you take the precautions. Well, the, the bottom line is, is the, the key evidence here is to obviously there being some type of plot, conspiracy, you you don't get vertebrae out of fucking nowhere. You don't get four vertebrae out of fucking nowhere just because you dig around in a little dirt. It doesn't work that way. Especially if you already shifted through the dirt and you didn't find anything. So where did they get the vertebrae? Well, the most common place would be, I don't know, the, the corners? corners? Well, that's the thing. It, it's, all, it's all right there. But if you don't have local, local law enforcement helping you, what are you going to do? Because well, they're involved. And then you try to get the FBI, and the FBI says, I can't help you unless the local, local law enforcement helps you. Or helps them. That's a lot of bullshit. That's, this poor lady. I mean, they were just living their life. They were doing their thing. 
Yeah, they were they're living the American dream. They made it this far, and then they lose five of their fucking ten kids. Unfortunately, only one of them, I think, is still alive. But she keeps the story up. She was two when the fire happened. Right. So she's probably not making it too much longer if she's not already dead. Well. <laughs> but I do believe that people, you know, this is some. I just, I just feel so bad. It makes me sad. Sad Christmas choice. Yeah, you made me choose. You chose this. Hey, you know what would be a cool one to do? The solder children. All right, cool. Children around Christmas time. It'd be great. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is the biggest thing back then, too, was also is a lot of people, the mob would sell. Uh, it's like a like a, it's like a marketplace, I guess, underground marketplace in New York. A black market. The black point, market. So, so to, to their own point, but they would sell the children for a certain amount of money, but it was another way to avoid, you know, the adoption places and stuff like that that weren't so great. So they would directly sell the children to whoever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's 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 still fucking shady as shit, but. Well, you know, the that's the other thing, too. Let's see. And I do think that the children survived or had lived. If, for example, that's true. What story did they sell those kids in order for the kids not to be like, you know what? I remember living here. I'm going to go back. I want to see. The kids never returned. I mean, I occasionally, every, you know, when I'm feeling extremely nostalgic, every couple of years drag you to my, the, the town, the little town that I used to live in. When I was in elementary school, here's my elementary school. Here's the house my parents lived in. Here's where we used to catch crawdads. I'm blown away by the fact that these five children, and the oldest being 14, he should remember. Well, nothing states that he didn't, you know, get it. Right. So, I mean, that's the point. The older older they are, the more resistance you're going to get. So something must have happened. My assumption would be they took the five, right? And I'd say there was a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old. The 9 through 5, you can probably chalk it up to, hey, there was a fire, we were at the right place, you were rescued, your whole family died. So was there any suspicion as to how the five children were lured out of the house? Because something had to have happened for the children not to wake up their parents but to go outside? One theory is uh, someone showed up. Probably someone, if I had to guess, it would have to be someone they knew. So one theory is that someone showed up and told them, hey, there's a Christmas surprise, but you got to go with us and we'll have a big surprise for your whole family. Okay. So, you know, either, you know, that, I mean, that can happen. It's a, small, it's a small enough town to where they can communicate to the kids without the parents knowing, especially, you know, people are just watching your kids going home. You, I mean, the parents aren't around the whole time. They have their own shit they got to do. Yeah, but I mean, it's 11 o'clock at night. Well, I'm, I'm saying beforehand, the Christmas Eve. So it, maybe it was already a pre-developed plan. That's you know a thought. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So like right. someone, they, they knew. kind of like, what is it called when like a predator starts grooming? They were grooming the kids. Yeah, and they don't know better. They, you know, it's like, cool, yeah, I want to do something for my parents or whatever. Right. And then, but you know, like the older one, you know, I mean... I, they could chalk it up to whatever they want. They could see that if they see something that resembles the fact that there was a fire there, they had no choice but to believe them. You know, they just show just enough to sell the story that people died in the fire. Right. Yeah. And then under threat, I guess, the 14-year-old's like, look, we got your five-year-old little brother. Right. You better shut you your mouth. Shut or the fuck up and come with us. 
Right, so he has no choice but to take it. Well, this is really sad. Well, I mean, four of the kids, five of the kids are still uh, already made it. Well, five out of the fi- out of the ten, yeah. Shitty odd. Yeah, so that's a shit job. Um, and the only one who had that kind of power back then was you know, Italian mob. Well, so. I mean, we we could say that, but it doesn't necessarily make it true. I mean, it could have been somebody else, a competing truck company who had in with the fire chief and the cops that didn't bother to go that far to kill their kids allegedly well i don't think they killed the kids i think they took the kids i think they killed the oldest ones but she got the she got the picture was that was lewis you said lewis well if you killed two you still have three this is true but i'm working Mm -hmm. on the i'm working on the the theory that they all lived i'd rather have that even if they never saw their parents again, at least they lived. I mean, the parent, the parents were really tenacious throughout this whole process. She, so remember, I said that you know, Jenny, fucking, you know, she found out that bones don't cremate that fast. Like she was killing animals and stuff, lighting things on fire to find out, you know, how it worked. Oh, so she's doing her own. Experience. She did. I mean, they did their own freaking, their own detective work. Right. So. Well, that's what moms do. And they didn't stop fighting till the end. I mean, there's only so much you can do if you, especially after 20 years or something, there's not much you, I can't do anything. Right. Can't go door to door. Hello. So since the recording, the trio recording of the Sodder children, I have had many, many thoughts. As this particular case has kind of not sat well with me. And before this podcast ends, I'd like to share two of my thoughts. One, when children are abducted and they're taken across state lines, that becomes a federal offense. And hence, at that point in time, J. Edgar Hoover, who I am not a fan of, could have, on those grounds, had gotten involved. But he chose not to. In addition... I have a theory that I just really think was the real intent. With the arrival of the insurance man, I do strongly believe now, having listened to this podcast, having heard the panda story, and kind of just trying to piece it all together i really truly believe it was the original intent of the conspirators because i do think this was a conspiracy by several members of this particular community it was the original intent to sell george Sauter insurance on the children and with that had he cooperated because george didn't do it had george purchased life insurance policies on the children and the children showed up dead slash missing, they would have pinned him. They would have had him prosecuted for their murder. So this story, I truly believe, is far more devious and evil than anyone could have imagined. I mean, if you think about it, when a wife gets murdered, they look at the husband and then they look at the motive. And if the wife has especially a substantial life insurance policy involved, he becomes, the husband becomes 
the main suspect and with valid reason. He financially benefits. And hence, I do think that was their original intent was to set George Sauter up for the murder of his children. And now back to the regular episode. All right. Obviously, a little downer for Christmas, but that is what we have for you tonight. On to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. We have a Facebook page, and if you are curious or interested and would like to join, just send me a request. In the meantime, if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are or have a sad, tragic Christmas story you'd like us to share next year, Send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Final thoughts, Panda? Um, Mussolini wasn't a good guy. He was, yeah. he was a fucking dickhead. He was, yeah, terrible. Yeah. But I'm not saying that because the next thing you know, I'm, I have three dogs in my house. Two of them are going to be gone tomorrow. <laughs> you have one and a half dogs <laughs> and no house. Final thoughts, Polar Bear? Oh, we're good. That was, that was sad. That was Left me with too many questions and no goddamn answers. Well, all the answers are there, but nobody wants to use them. Correct. Nobody wants to come forth and tell the fucking truth. All right. So until next time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Mm